Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. We are in the middle of a series called Manna. We looked last week at the children of Israel. Moses went before Pharaoh, all these crazy plagues, part of the Red Sea, brought them out into the desert, into the wilderness. And a very short period of time after that, they get hungry. And they come to Moses and they complain and they whine and they say, why, why did we just stay in Egypt? We had tons of food there, which wasn't true. So Moses, why did your God lead us out here to kill us and let us starve to death? And God gave them sustenance. He gave them provision. It was bread from heaven that sustained 600,000 men, not including women and children, every day, six days a week for 40 years. Six days a week. And we talked about rest, that God called his people to rest one day a week, and he would provide twice as much on the sixth day so that they didn't have to work on the seventh. And they would give this day like a tithe back to God, saying, God, you are our provider, not ourselves. There's many things, I'm sure, that God gives us as sustenance. If he gave them manna in that day to sustain them, what does he give his people, his children, today as sustenance to take care of us? And last week, we looked at rest. And tonight, we're going to look at how God gives us each other. He gives us community, fellowship, a body of Christ to sustain us in the hard times when things are dreary or to rejoice with us when everything's going well for accountability, for hope, for encouragement, for prayer, to take care of our physical needs as well. We're going to look at how God uses the body of Christ, the family of God. I'm just going to throw this as as a side note. I didn't know where to put it in my notes. But last week I threw it out. Are you experiencing a spiritual dry season? Have you tried rest? This week, I'm going to give you the same challenge. If you're experiencing a spiritual dry season, have you tried community? Often we will isolate ourselves whenever we are dry. I don't feel like going to church right now. I don't feel like being around other Christians. I don't feel like being around my other brothers and sisters that love Jesus because I'm just dry. I don't, I don't feel like I fit. And have you, have you tried community? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. We don't know who authored Hebrews. Maybe it was Paul. Maybe it was Apollos. Who knows? But he has some pretty cool stuff to say. This is just a little snippet. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay, so how do we store up love and good works? How do we grow? How do we gel? How do we love each other better and serve each other better? By not forsaking the assembling of of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Some people are trying to fall off off the edges. They're just like, yeah, you know what? My my life's good. I, I love Jesus, and me and Jesus, we can do our own thing, kind of island into ourselves, right? but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. How are we going to stir up love and good works in the body of Christ? We're going to spend time together. We're going to get together on a regular basis to pursue the Lord, to serve each other, to take care of each other. Why? First Peter chapter 5. This is Peter talking. This is the same Peter that probably heard Jesus talk about the sheep and the wolf trying to get in and attack the sheep. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. 
We, we're not sliding through life. We have an adversary. We have resistance. We have someone who is after us, trying to tear us down. We can't just have one experience with the Lord and then just coast right in through the rest of our lives because there is opposition day in, day out. He is like a lion, a roaring lion, seeking you. You know how lions hunt? Lions are crazy cool. They're actually very organized. It's lionesses. So, I, you know, woman power, woo. Lions, lionesses, they will get in a triangular pattern, one on each side of the herd, and then one will hold back. Now, all of them know that if you charge right into the herd of wildebeest or antelope or whatever it is, those lions are going to die. They do not have enough strength, power, prowess, whatever, to attack a herd. They will get trampled. So what they do is they get into this triangular formation and this lion in the rear will sneak up and then let out and belt the loudest possible scariest roar ever. And the whole herd's like, right? And so they turn and they start moving and rushing to try to get away from that big scary sound thinking that there's like a whole pack of lions coming at them. And as they run, there's always these few that scatter out to the edges. Maybe they're the weak. Maybe they're the old. Maybe they're just the ones that think they have it together. And they'll scatter away from the herd, from the safety of those numbers, from the safety of many hooves that can't be overtaken. And then those two from the outside come together on those that scatter out. And they take them down. And if you ever watch National Geographic, it is brutal. I'm talking about like diving over their heads, grabbing their throats, throwing them to the ground. It's brutal. Blood, broken bones. It's wild. Lions are pretty crazy. Don't forsake gathering together. The enemy is out to attack those who are weak, those who are slow, those who are bold and prideful, and the loner. Ultimately, he's out to find the isolated. What is the manna that God gives his people today to sustain us in the wilderness of life and in an unrighteous culture? He gives us rest and he gives us each other, the body of Christ, the family of God. There's lots of reasons that we become isolated. I don't presume to have a comprehensive list here, but here's a few of them. One of them is pride. The lone wolf mentality, that's sort of an antiquated term. It's the idea that I can do everything by myself. I'm good. I'm strong enough. I did it my way. Anybody get the reference? No? Okay. It's the idea that I'm an island unto myself. I, at the end of my life, I want to look back, and I made all my decisions. I got myself here. I can be self-sufficient. It's just pride. And the enemy is looking for that person who's prideful. Why? Because pride comes before a fall. Because we have an adversary. Someone is against us. Another thing is pain. Sometimes we'll have this really difficult experience. Maybe sometimes it's depression. Or we're afraid of what others will think about our sin or our mistakes or what's going on in our lives. We have spiritual doubts. And, and when we start doubting the Lord, we start doubting uh, our family's faith or whatever, we just sort of withdraw. I mean, this is real talk. These are things that I've been through. And we don't want to ask for help. Sometimes we have priority problems. Oh, I've got so much going on. I've got all these other things that are more important than spending time with my, my spiritual family. You know, I, I, got to, I got to do my job. I got the sports. I got et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we get the priority problems of what's the most important thing in our lives. I have priorities that, more, that are more important. All of these, in, in some weird shape or form, 
our claim for self-sufficiency. They all keep coming back to pride. I got this. I'm okay by myself. But, you know, self-sufficient really just means alone. And alone means weakness. And weakness means being vulnerable to our enemy. You know, there's a black and white difference. I've been a youth pastor, I don't know, 13 years now or something. I don't know how to do the math. And I can tell you consistently across the board in the four youth ministries that Jackie and I have served in, black and white difference. When students graduate out of youth and they go to college, those who get plugged into a Christian community hold on to their faith, and those that do not get plugged in quickly fade out from their faith quickly. Black and white difference. There, I can't think of any examples. Maybe Jackie could. She's smarter than me. Of people that were like, I'm going to go be a Christian and didn't get plugged into Chi Alpha or a church or a young adult group or something. And then I'm talking like weeks, months later, their social media looks very different, very different. Their decisions start going downhill, start hearing from their parents that things are not good. It's amazing. Black and white, those who get plugged into a body of Christ when they leave and those who do not. Jesus intentionally paired people up. Remember, he sent out the 72, go into the surrounding towns, bring them the gospel. He gave them the power over demons and sickness and all kinds of crazy stuff, and he paired them up two by two. Only bring one pair of sandals, don't bring an extra money bag, two by two. And then again, another time, that was the 72, another time he takes his 12 disciples and he gives them a similar commission and he sends them out two by two. He sees an importance of that community, that brotherhood, that sisterhood of locking arms together and saying, we're going to do this. And whenever you're weak, I'm going to be the strong one. I'm weak, you're going to be the strong one. In Romans, Paul seems to seems to try to, to push this idea. Romans chapter 12, 4 and 5, and this is sort of the beginning of the conversation for Paul. For as we have many members in one body, out of all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're lots of people. We have lots of personalities, lots of different backgrounds, family things, relationships. And yet, even though we're all different, as different as the hand and the foot and the eye and everywhere else, we all work together. And he unpacks this a little further. Let's go, to, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Paul gets on a soapbox about this. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babies, but in understanding be mature. How it is written then, brethren, when you come together, each of you has a song or a teaching. Did I get my verses right? Yeah, yeah, this is just early. Cool, cool. We get a lot extra scripture tonight. It has a tongue, a revelation, as an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one of them interpret. Really? I must have missed my verses. I checked it too. My bad, guys. First Corinthians. Fourteen, right? This is good stuff. I don't want you to miss it. Galatians went too far. Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to start in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, 
so also is Christ. We're all working together here. And we're going to jump to verse 14. But in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not really part of the body. Is it therefore part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? Like if we just walked around and we're nothing but an eye, we'd be Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc., right? And we look sort of silly. Love y'all Pixar fans. But if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? The whole body, if the whole body were an ear, where would the, the, the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And I want to jump down just a little bit to verse 26. Catch this. In, if one member suffers, you're tracking with me? If one of us suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, but your members individually. Like we're meant to take care of each other. We're supposed to look around and say, who's hurting? Because I'm hurting if they're hurting. And we go to them and we encourage them. We keep them accountable. We do everything that we can to take care of each other. Sorry about that, guys. Cool, cool. Thank you, guys. Paul writes this, and then the next portion that he goes into is he's, is he's talking about all the, the tongues and revelation and all the spiritual gifts. And then right after this, the very next thing he's going to say is, but I want you to pursue the most important spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 13, and that is love. And he goes to unpack that love. Now this, this blew my mind this week. Y'all ready for this? Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11. This is where my son taught me something this week. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, remember Paul said the greatest spiritual gift we can have that we're supposed to pursue is love. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, well, what does that look like? No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Now, abides is interesting. Think about the word abides, to dwell with, to be close to, to be near, so near that he's in us. It's that, that togetherness of walking together. God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. He's in us. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. There you go. There's the gospel in a verse. Side note. Like, this isn't just talking about, like, yeah, I said it once. In their time, if you confessed Jesus... You sacrificed a lot, your family, your well-being, your freedom, maybe your life. This is talking about if you're willing to put it on the line for Christ, if you'll open your mouth and confess Christ even when it hurts, it's not just like, oh yeah, I, I can say something. I'll just say this in a prayer and I'm out of here, right? This is, I'm giving my life to the Lord. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. There's a whole bunch of abiding happening here. Now, here's the verse I never understood before until my son. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Let's stop right there. Now, his context here is, if we're with God, we have no fear of punishment. We can, when we die, we stand before God, we know that his love is in us. But I've never quite gotten that. I mean, imagine yourself alone in the woods. Imagine yourself about to get hit in an online, like a, a head-on collision. 
and we're going to say perfect love casts out fear. And you're like, I'm in the woods. How does this help me? I'm scared. Yesterday morning, I had a total dad failure. It was like the coolest dad failure because I think it's teaching me something. My son has never shown any fear of the dark. He'll like go to the bathroom and Jackie and I are like, who turned the light on for him? And he's just in the dark on the toilet. He cracks me up. He has no fear of the dark until yesterday morning. It was the first time I ever saw it. He, he goes and he comes to me and he says, Dad, will you get my puzzle out of my bedroom? And I'm like, go in your own bedroom. You know where it is. And he goes and he stands in front of the door and he's turning red like anxious. And he's like, Dad, turn on the light, turn on the light. I'm like, Dom, go in the room and get your puzzle. You, be, you just came out of there. I just I woke you up 10 minutes ago. So go get the, the light switcher. He has a stick he turns on lights with. Go get the light switcher and turn on your own light. And it, it hit me that here he is. And I could tell the longer I was waiting, the more that I was just like, go and do it, the more dismissive I was of his fear, the more fearful he was becoming. And the longer he stood there, the more uncomfortable and anxious he got. All he wanted was for dad to come and go with him into the room. It was so simple. All he wanted is to feel a closeness and a nearness with dad to walk in together. Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because they, the number one characteristic, maybe there's many characteristics of love, but a main characteristic of love is togetherness. If we're unified with our dad, what can we fear? If we're unified together as a body, when God is saying, let, let my love be in you towards each other, pursue love together, it's going to drive out some fear because we can lock arms and say, let's go into the scary together, one step at a time with my brother, with my sister. I'm going into the future, the unknown realm of the future where it's dark, where it's uncomfortable. But you know what? This love, this unity, this togetherness, this bond, I've got a lot less fear. God is calling us to love because his love abides in us and his love abides in us. Us and us. And that casts out fear. All my son wanted was togetherness, to go into the dark together. And you know what? If I start doing that with him, I'm not holding him back from flying on his own. He's going to start, instead of standing there getting more and more scared, that fear is going to suddenly feel a response of togetherness with me. And soon he'll go from leaning on my strength to leaning on his own strength to be able to walk. How powerful is that? God gives us to each other, our spiritual family. And he gives us to each other for a handful of reasons. You ready for this? These are beautiful. Not in any particular order. Number one, he gives us to each other to support each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. This is good old Solomon. And he's talking about something that he sees in the world that is empty and useless. Then I returned and I saw a vanity under the sun. There's one alone without a companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there's no end to his labors, nor is I satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I work and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune, because two are better than one, 
because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. I don't know, like I've seen the biggest, brawliest, manliest guys, and you put them in a tent in the middle of a cold night, and the next morning they're going to be a dog pile. Because in the middle of the night when you're cold, you're going to saddle up to somebody for warmth. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord, it's not easily broken. Here's a vanity. Here's something empty. Someone without a companion. But two is better than one. If one should fall, the other can lift him up. Support. We take care of each other. One of the ways that we take care of each other is we pray for each other. We get together as a family, and we love and pray for each other. This may be one-on-one. This may be a group. We're going to do a quick illustration. We have two different prayer needs that I know of just from working the room tonight. We have Tanner, who got his shoulder crushed playing soccer. Tanner, would you mind coming up wherever you're at? Yeah. Yeah. Let's come stand right here. Here, Tanner. I want them to have access to you. All right, here in a minute, I'm going to call you guys to come up. We're going to lay hands on Tanner, but please avoid his left wing. We love Tanner. We don't want him to have to have two surgeries. He's having surgery tomorrow, and so we want to pray for him and cover him in prayer. Uh, also, the Russos, are you guys nearby? Come on up. I'm going to, we're going to pray for you guys, too. They are in the middle of adopting a nine-year-old nephew. Yes. And so there's all sorts of court stuff and paperwork's being held up. They were actually the first of their family to try to uh, go through adoption, and, and yet everything is dragging for them, so we're going to pray. So if you guys would come up, lay your hands on them. Uh, remember that 10,000 arms becomes 10,000 pounds, so just go easy on them. We're going to pray for them as a family, as a unity. And check it out. I don't just want people's hands involved. While I'm praying, ignore what I'm saying. I want you guys to pray in your own hearts. Let's, let's agree together. Let's pray together for these situations. So let's start with the Russos. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you will streamline this paperwork and everything. Lord, you know the heart of a nine-year-old boy who's scared, who's been moved around. Lord, who's looking for hope and peace and a family to find love. And I pray that in their home, he's going to find a love that is eternal that is deeper than he ever expected. Lord, anoint them. Prepare their home and prepare Gavin's heart. Heavenly Father, work through the court system. Get this done so that he can have a home quickly. Help him get plugged into a school where he finds good friends quickly. Thank you, Lord, for his life, and thank you for this family that said yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord and Tanner, Lord, thank you for a guy who plays with 110%. Thank you, Lord, that he is all heart. Lord, I pray that you will heal a shoulder faster than the doctors expect, that in this surgery you are guiding their hands, you're giving them direction, Lord, and that this surgery is perfect. They don't have to go back in and do anything again. Heal them up, Lord, and I pray that you give him wisdom and discipline not to re-injure himself or delay this healing in any way. Anoint Tanner. Thank you for his friends here that are praying for him right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all can take your seats. As the body of Christ, we pray for each other. Another thing that we do under the category of support is we help each other in physical needs. 
as well as spiritual needs. Yes, we need to support each other and give each other biblical advice and everything. We also have to take care of each other. Think about meal train of the church. If you're ever sick and can't function, our church has the meal train that sends food to your house, like too much food to your house. It's great. We take care of each other's physical needs. Here's an awesome clip from a Disney movie to give you an idea. Give me your arm. Okay, now the other one. When I say go, push against my back and we'll walk up the hill. Ready? Go. Ow! You did that on purpose. Ah, no, I didn't. Now we're going to have to work together to get out of this, so follow my lead. Ready? Right foot. Who's right? Your right or, or mine? I don't care. Mine. Well, why yours? Okay, you're right. Ready? Okay, got it. Okay. Right. Left. Right. <laughs> look, we're moving. Don't look down. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Now, what? Genius. Working on it. Okay. Here's the deal. Stretch out your neck, and I'll grab the rope. How do I know you won't let me fall after you grab the rope? You're just gonna have to trust me. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing you're not a big fat guy, or this would be really difficult. <laughs> Almost got it. It's stuck. Take your time. No hurry here. thought that a John Goodman and David Spade team would be that awesome. <laughs> Something I want you to catch from this clip is that even though you had a stronger and a weaker, a more confident and more insecure, neither of them could have ever made it up by themselves. Pacha's character, the big strong guy or whatever, he still needed the support of Cusco, our crazy llama. Llama face. There's a great Sanctus Real song. It says, oh, oh, we need each other through all the highs and lows. It's so true. There is no Christian that is strong enough to be an island unto themselves. We need each other. We need the body of Christ for support. We are not in a solo race. We are in a partnered climb. 
Look how God set this up. From the very beginning, God looks at man and goes, he ain't going to cut it alone. I got to give him a helpmate. Think of Joshua and Caleb looking back on the story about the Exodus. They finally get to the other side of the river and they're looking over saying, oh, it's going to be so great to go over. They send 12 spies. They come back 10. Their knees are knocking together and they're scared. And Joshua and Caleb go, we can do it. We've got God on our side. Ain't nothing going to stop us. Yeah, they're big. Watch this. Watch how big our God is. All through scripture, we see these duos, these people that work together. We carry each other's burdens. Pat told me a story about how her daughter, who was struggling for her life, and every breath was a battle for her very life, and she couldn't be there, and it was a friend of hers that was in the hospital room at her daughter's side, one breath at a time. We support each other. We take care of each other. Another thing that God gives us each other for is accountability. James 5.16 says that we confess our sins to each other. I think we have the verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There is something very difficult and very freeing about being transparent. Obviously, you have to choose who your companion is going to be wisely. But having the boldness and the guts to finally say it out loud, I struggle with pornography. I steal. I genuinely believe that suicide is my way out. To finally say those words to somebody who actually loves you and cares about you is a breakthrough unto itself. God gives us to each other for encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Paul is encouraging us again. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're already doing. How? Don't stop gathering. God gives us to each other for wise counsel. There's three different times in Proverbs. Proverbs 11, 14, 15, 22, and 24, 6, that Solomon says there is safety in a multitude of counselors. And having a body having a circle of believers to go to and say, I need advice in this area, there's safety in that because they're going to have multiple opinions, multiple ideas. They're going to see from different perspectives. I'm telling you, if there, was, if there was a youth guy or a youth girl that was smart enough to go to somebody outside of their own head to ask about this relationship, they'd probably hear good advice. But once we get like this about a dating relationship, we're stuck. What if we'll hear counsel outside of ourselves? There's safety in that. God gives us to each other for this. I think this is so cool. He gives us to us for selflessness, that taking care of each other chisels away our selfishness. It requires us to put others first. I never read this in this context before, but God grows selflessness in us. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 6. We're right in the middle of Jesus' big sermon on the mount, and he says this, and I never considered it this way before. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do, the, do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that? Everyone loves someone who loves them back. For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your, war, your reward will be great in heaven. And you will be as the sons of the Most High God. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Being a part of community, being selfless, 
where we lend without expecting a return to people we don't even really like, it does a change in us. It's not about what we get back. It's about what God's doing in us. You understand? One of the, the beauty of community that God gives us to each other is that it chisels away at us, at our hard hearts, at our selfishness, because God is calling us to do for somebody else more than for ourselves. You notice in these verses, catch this. This is worth writing down. Love is greater than the definitions of friend and enemy. Love is greater than the definitions we put on friend and enemy. To sustain us in the wilderness of life, God gave us each other. He gave us our spiritual family. Don't stop getting together. Some forms of community. There's kind of like big picture, the local church. That's living word. That's elevate. That's whatever church you call home church. Your corporate body, where we're getting together on a regular basis to worship together, to fellowship together. A little bit smaller, consider your small groups. That's that group of 8, 10, 15. Those are like your e-groups. Those are like the weekends where you go to Impact or E3. Those are life groups or whatever. Maybe your church calls them cell groups or net groups or they have names everywhere for them. If you have a hard time being vulnerable in your e-groups, I challenge you tonight to be just a little bit more transparent than you have been before. I know it's uncomfortable, but if you're that one that kind of just sits back, try it. Invest a little bit into your spiritual family. And then local church, small groups, and then there's your companions, those closest spiritually mature friends that you can talk to, that you have given permission to kick you in the butt when you need it. That confidant. You need them in your lives. We need each other on all three of these levels because there's something that's going to happen in small groups that can't happen in big church, and there's something that can happen in that companionship that can't happen in either of those. Does that make sense? All three of these are absolutely critical to a believer. So here's your challenges for this week. Challenge one, I want you to consider a companion in your life, past or present. Just think of them. And here's the other half of this. If, if everything is going well right now, if you feel like, oh, I'm strong, then I want you to contact that companion and thank them for a time that you needed them. Hey, remember that time a year ago whenever my parents were going through this or I was going through this? Thank you so much. Thank you for being that person in my life. Thank you for being the body of Christ for me. And the flip side of the coin is if you're struggling right now, if you're hurting, if you have something that's going on that you haven't told anybody, if you're dry, that companion that you considered, risk asking for help. Talk to them and say, I'm not okay. Things are not right in my life. I'm stuck down a canyon and I need somebody to go back to back with me and help me climb because I'm weak and I'm hurting. So think of a companion and then one of two sides of the coin. Thank them or reach out for help to them. And if you're looking for a bonus challenge, bonus! Consider the culture that you want to see it elevate. And for the next 10, 30 minutes after we dismiss, be the change that you want to see here. When you come back next week, make it a challenge that you're going to become part of that culture that you hope for. I've heard way too many times in my youth pastor tenure, people say, well, there's just not, you know, everybody, not elevate necessarily, this is actually past youth groups. Everybody there, they're just messing around. They don't want anything, so I don't want to be there. And I'm like, we need you. Come back. (laughs) Be part of the solution with me. You guys are awesome. I haven't heard that here yet.
God has given his people a culture. What's ours to elevate? Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, stir up good works, remembering to gather, to unite, to walk into the dark together, from my kid, to partner in life together. Amen. Lord, bless them, bless our e-groups, open up our minds, open up our spirits. Lord, I pray you open up our mouths. Let us be vulnerable where we haven't been before. Build a family in those e-groups that we can lean on each other and support, accountability, encouragement, selflessness, all of these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.